Oh, college basketball fans, this might not be a pretty one for this edition. Maybe a a bloody podcast because we're a little upset with how the season is turning for the old home team when we talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes. We do cast a net over all of college basketball, and we'll still do that, but troubles on the home front right here. I'm Timmy Hall. He's evil bald, Colin. Evil Good to be with you, buddy, I guess. Tim, it's good to be with you. I don't know what you're upset about. Ohio State's in the top 20 in Kempom, and their luck rating actually went down, so they're one of the most unlucky teams in the country at 351st. What do you make of that Kempom rating at this stage of that, the game? Well, the, the net rankings are the same. I, I kind of think it's garbage, to be honest with you, because I don't know what with the resume of this team outside of maybe the efficiency numbers. I understand that for Kempom, but for the net ranking, I don't get it because Northwestern... And Rutgers are you two, your two best wins? That's not good enough for me. All right. Well, we're going to have so much to do here as we've got you for this edition of the podcast. We'll, of course, start things off and just get a good read on who's at the top of college basketball right now. Some of the big games that we saw this past week. Some uh, interesting things with telecasts going on here that give you as fans an inside look at college basketball, and that sparked a lot of discussion, of course, with the Ohio State-Minnesota game. I had already seen that a week earlier, so I was more prepared for it when I heard people talking, and I think it was kind of cool to get the the mic'd-up access, but I also do want to take some shots at another Big Ten basketball team. So we'll have it all, some Ohio State Buckeye breakdown, what's happening with this team, and, of course, a little mid-major flavor, and my favorite the Mad About Hoops road trip meter. Colin, I didn't get to go to the Kansas-West Virginia game last year. My son wasn't up for the trip, so we wound up doing Blue Jackets hockey anyway, which was okay because I did get to sit as a good clo- game. I got to sit as close to the ice as I ever have. We were in the third row, so close to the bucket list of sitting in pure glass seats. And if there ever is a year to do it for a reasonable price, it's, say, pick the Tuesday night game for the last place jackets. And when we say last place, we mean like last in the entire (laughs) NHL fighting with the Blackhawks. But so I didn't, I was sad. I didn't get to see college basketball, but I got to watch some sports with my son at least. No, that's a good decision. I think you made the right decision on your point. And uh, Kansas handled their business against West Virginia in that game. And then almost, and then almost didn't do it at home against Oklahoma. But you know what? They did. It doesn't matter how close it is. If you pull it off, Ask Ohio State. As long as you pull it off, it doesn't matter. But no, uh, all of you fine fans of the pod that have told me you can't go wrong with a trip to West Virginia Coliseum. Buddies, I know. Like, it's been on my list for five years since I've been. I don't have my buddy uh, from back east anymore that where we used to meet up and do this college basketball trip that we were getting done on an annual basis. It's been several years, so i got to look for other ways to do that. He lives in Seattle right now, so... It's a thing where we'd have to get on airplanes to actually make this work. So it's tough with the road trips. But uh, we've talked about meeting in Lawrence for a KU game. We've talked about meeting in Spokane for a game at Gonzaga at the Kennel. Oh, wow. Or just going to Seattle. We talked about the uh, the cool arena that Washington has. Do some more Pac-12 type of stuff. But either way, uh, yeah, I I cannot wait to go down by the river there with the Jerry West statue and see West Virginia. It's a three-hour drive from right here in the middle of Ohio. And I've been hearing about the the fish spots that they have in town, fried fish, popular spot like the fish bowl or something, some kind of Marco's, Mario's fish bowl and 
Morgantown, West Virginia. Either way. Never would have guessed that. Sounds like the spot to hang out before a basketball game, and I'm all for that taking in the atmosphere and the contest. And KU had struggled, really. It's almost like Ohio State going to Maryland where they just cannot win for whatever reason. Since West Virginia joined the Big 12, Kansas was just losing every single time until here recently, and they smacked them uh, last weekend, so that was good. But buckle up. We got a lot to get into. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Oh! 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 Send it in, Jerome! (laughs) College basketball! This is March Madness! Yes, it is, everybody, and you are locked into episode 78 of Mad About Hoops. We are rolling through the 2022-2023 season. Hey, it's January. It's 2023 all the way, all the way up to March Madness, man. And hey, Colin, we're in the middle of January. We're almost to that point right now where I don't need to look forward to March Madness. That kind of philosophy of mine kicks back in. Just let it ride out. Because you blink a few times, and it will be March. So here we go, baby. Yes, it's almost here. It's great to be a fan of the entire sport because you can't lock yourself down to your favorite teams because if they don't play well, you can't let it impact your view on the rest of the sport and your enjoyment of the rest of it. Well, it can piss us off, but (laughs) nothing is going to take away from March Madness. I agree. We have ball in Columbus, Ohio. I'm telling you, there is nothing better than that. Nothing. And you're lucky. You know, some people will talk about, like, why isn't this the type of town that can get the regional finals? And while I do agree, because you will see some regional finals, usually, what, one out of the four will be in a football stadium because they kind of do a dry run for who would get the final four the following year. That's at least how I remembered it. I was covering the Duke Blue Devils one year for my job, and I got sent to Houston, which... It's okay when you're media because you can sit real close, but I actually met my dad there because Purdue was in that region, and that was one of the years where Robbie Hummel tore an ACL, and it was, you know, the Etwan Moore, Mm. Jawan Johnson, Purdue team. They were trending towards being maybe a two seed, maybe a one seed at one point in time, but they they rallied the troops. They still did well. They they made it to the Sweet 16, and they met up with Duke there, but that just, I I felt bad for my dad because you're getting tickets, you know, from your, your school or just off the secondary market, and you're sitting so far back. I mean, who wants to watch basketball in a football stadium? But yet, they still sell a lot of tickets for it. But I do appreciate how most of those still are in NBA arenas or just bigger basketball venues. And Nationwide Arena could do that. It's just, I think we get the better deal because the first and second round, we're in agreement, right? Like, that—that that is the weekend. That is the time to be alive as a basketball fan. Yeah, if you want to host... Like the exciting part, and I'm not saying that like no, there's parts of the tournament that aren't exciting, but in terms of the peak drama, it happens that first weekend. That's where the, the real upsets happen. We talk about Cinderella's, but there's a reason why they don't often make the second weekend. They usually just pull off that first win and then fall to a, a, a superior team. It's just most of the drama that you see most years, and it comes that first weekend. And 
I think personally it's better for Columbus that way because I think it provides more ticket value to the fans that buy those big group. I, I forget how they sell tickets now, whether it's like a, a section of the day or if you can get the full day option. But I, I've, I did right. it oh, once yeah, before. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, I did it once before. There weren't many upsets, quite honestly. What's wild about it is if your location isn't having the upsets, you tend to find people up in the concourse area watching the TVs that have that. I, I remember specifically the year that Ohio U upset in Michigan in the tournament. That's exactly what we were doing while Michigan State was beating some 16 seed. The way that I remember it, and like you, it's been a long time since I've gotten to do that as a fan. You know, now that the job is kind of taken over, there's good and bad that comes with that. And, and I went to only one of the sessions as a fan when it was clear from wherever Ohio, it all comes down to if Ohio state's in the tournament. And look, as we'll get into that, the one bright spot, the one good thing is that you're making the NCAA tournament every year, which is, I think baseline, what you've got to do here with the Ohio state job. And they've done that, but I think it was two separate tickets for day one, whether that's Thursday or Friday. So you'd have the uh, session one and session two, so you get the noon and the 2.30 tip off, and then you'd have to leave the arena. And then that's the fun part, where you just go and you walk about, and all the restaurants and the bars, they're buzzing. There's all sorts of fanfare and everything around the arena. And then you go back. You don't even you don't go home. You don't leave. You stay in the area. You drink whatever, and then you go back into the arena, and you're there till midnight. And it's just it's glorious. I don't know what else to say. It's the most glorious day there could ever be for a sports fan to take it for a basketball fan, take off work and just show up at 10 30 or 11 in the morning and stay until after midnight with four live basketball games. Like you said, heart pounding nonstop action. And the last time I went with Jack, it was a Sunday. That was one session to cover the whole second day. And you did see like, I think Washington was at the Columbus site. North Carolina and Washington, does that sound like a matchup? And I think Iowa and Cincinnati Iowa was, here. Yes. was a matchup as well. That's right. So you got some pretty decent stuff. But, you know, you, you said something in there that I'll go with. The The first and second round, of course, gives you the upsets. And we know that the cream still kind of rises to the top in this sport. But what would you say about St. Peter's run? I mean, we kept expecting them to lose. And by the time they did get to the North Carolina matchup, they got blasted. But it's tough to say that, you know, they weren't worthy because they beat Purdue on the way there. It just wasn't some sometimes you get upset, upset, and then maybe that fools you as to how good that team is. And then they run into a big dog and say the Elite Eight or the Final Four and they get wiped. But St. Peter's had to beat Purdue after beating Kentucky and then Murray State, a really good Murray State team that you liked a lot last year. Yeah, and Murray State had a great game. I think their first round game was against San Francisco. I think it was the seven. That sounds game. right. And the the Fighting Bill Russells were also a darling team last very, year. Very, very good. fun team. Yeah. No, it's uh, we talk about this every time we talk about the tournament. It's all about who comes out and plays the most efficient game. That's usually who's going to win. And when you get upsets, it's usually teams like what Florida Gulf Coast did back in the day. I mean, how more efficient can you get than dunks at the rim? I mean, dunk city, of course. Uh, and then what St. Peter's did last year with their three-point shooting, it made a huge difference. I mean, we we talk about Doug Eater, the meme, the guy, but honestly, he was just so efficient from three that it seems like anytime he put up a shot, it was going in. And then that plays into the psychological factor of the team that's the favorite because it's real, man. When you get in that situation when you're down like that, you start to think about it. And then it's hard to keep that thought out, out of there. And then you just, it impacts your play. 
All right. So I do want to kind of keep talking about where things stand because I mentioned I got to hammer somebody. We didn't really get into it right here. And some of the top dogs in college basketball. Pretty nice week for the top four in the AP poll with what all those teams had to face. And we're still, of course, going to break down what the heck is going on with Ohio State basketball. So a quick little breather. Keep it locked right here. Episode 78 of Mad About Hoops. You know, Tim, for this being a year where a lot of people think it's even harder than usual to pick who's going to win the national championship, it seems we have a pretty clear top four in terms of Houston, Kansas, Purdue, and Alabama that are ranked that way in the AP Top 25. Yeah, and I, you know, the Houston Cougars, they had a tight one against South Florida. That was the one thing. They had a Mad About Hoops road trip meter game last weekend where they were at Cincinnati. And the Bearcats played about as well as you would think with where yeah, they are in their process. There's just, just a talent gap. Yeah, lost by like 12 or 13. They didn't get blown out. They, they weren't embarrassed on their home court. That's the number one team in the country. So for God's sakes, that was tough. But Houston goes 2-0. Kansas goes 2-0. Purdue goes 2-0. Alabama goes 2-0. Your top four right there. Now, not all those were just walk-in-the-park games. You had the Bama-Arkansas game, and it's funny to look at those two schools because you've got the top of the NBA draft boards. It's usually going to say Wembenyana up there, and then it's going to be Scoot, and then it's going to be the Alabama and Arkansas dudes, like the, the three players between Bama and Arkansas when you talk about Smith, Black, and Brandon Miller. Like, these guys are just really freaking good players. Yeah, but that, what, Nick, what, that, yeah. Nick, that Nick Smith thing is going to get really interesting because I don't know if you you've noticed it. Uh, he's been out with an injury recently, and there's been some chatter that maybe he shuts maybe down, yeah, gets ready for I the... Know. But then there's other reports. I saw Jeff Goodman of uh, Field of 68 also say, this kid really wants to get back. Like, he wants to play. Team. He's such a good team such and a good for a team, run. But they're missing him. And then Trayvon Brazil, the Missouri transfer, who was quite honestly probably their best player up until his injury with the torn ACL. It, uh, it's been tough, and you saw the results of it in their loss to Alabama, who, I'll tell you what, man, Nate Oates' team is super efficient. I mean, they're top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, and it starts with Brandon Miller, like you said, but they've got really good mix of good freshmen and then some good upperclassmen there with Charles uh, Charles Bidiaco, um, who was actually a, a Holtman target at one point in recruiting. Oh, that's right, the big fella. But, but the Ohio Bobcat, Mark Sears, very good he transfer. has been unbelievable. What a get for Alabama. I mean, that's been the guy there. Brandon Miller doing what he's done. I mean, he is he is deservingly, you know, getting some discussion for national player of the year. And sometimes you'll see true freshmen come up in there and deserve it. I remember uh, when Harrison Barnes was a freshman at UNC, the sky was so high for that dude that he was getting a lot of votes in the preseason. Some people had a problem with that. I don't understand what their deal was because even when Harrison Barnes was entering the game, we had already long since been in a mode where true freshmen were coming in and showing that they were some of the best players in the country, if not the best players in the country. And that's not that's not like a crazy thing to see a true freshman become uh, the national player of the year. But just what else sticks out to you? Those four teams that we're mentioning and uh, the best teams right now. Kansas, I think you kind of touched on that one. That Oklahoma game. Kind of a shock to the system, I bet, for Porter Moser, who's a really good coach, and they dogged that game at the Fieldhouse. He had to think in his heart he was coming out of Allen Fieldhouse with a win. Oklahoma's up by 10. The Jayhawks went something like 12 minutes in the second half without hitting a bucket. But 
they got to the free throw line a lot and made a lot of free throws and they just hung around and it's it just proves to be one of the more impossible things to do win a game at the field house yeah so kansas is, was perplexing for me in the in the offseason because i didn't really know one sure. what are we going to get from jalen wilson is he going to make that step and I, I heard bill self say it throughout the offseason the only way we stay competitive at the top of the sport is that jalen wilson plays at an all-american level i mean you, you can't argue with 20 points and nine rebounds per game i mean he's playing as one of the best players in the country but also just the key addition to kevin mcculler the transfer texas from tech. texas tech has been a great player else. averaging 11 points per game he almost had an and one dunk <laughs> in that second half uh, oh my god he just quite couldn't throw it down and hit the back iron yeah, man, they've got a really good solid core of about four or five guys. Dewan Harris Jr. is still a great defensive player. Add some more offense more this year. Uh, KJ Adams Jr. and Grady Dick. They round out the really good scoring options for that team. I've, I've been impressed, I will say. I was kind of in more of like the 10 to 15 range maybe with this Kansas team. They're easily top five. Oh, easily. I mean, they're, look, I mean, they got one loss, the, the Tennessee loss, and they really... You know, they only scored 50 points in that game, and that was just sort of a, a garbage pail type of game. Everybody's allowed those, right? And especially I mean, even against that, a top 25 opponent. Even that Missouri team, who's really been coming on, Dennis Gates has gotten a lot out of that oh, good team. Destroyed, destroyed them. them. Destroyed them. And now I'll tell you as a Kansas alum, not a lot that is more fun when you destroy Mizzou, even with not being in the same conference, kind of gotten over some of that now. Or when they you avoid together, you in a bowl, or they avoid you in a bowl game. Exactly right, <laughs> but you got the you got a couple of sunflower showdowns coming up there with on the seventeenth. Jayhawks go to Manhattan. Go speaking ahead, say of that, it. I saw that on on Twitter. Well, say it. yeah. Speaking of that, I don't know if you noticed, but after the game when Kansas State won uh, against Oklahoma State, they had their staff, the <laughs> arena staff that works like the security and whatnot, practicing practicing for a court storming and how to protect the teams and get them off the court. Practicing, not protecting like in the, the coach the week, and the bench. Not like this weekend, but immediately after the game, after they cleared the concourse. I would say kudos to them. I mean, I respect running, it. running through it, just trying to be prepared. That's a, that's a nice thing. I mean, for a couple of teams that were at each other's throats here in some recent matchups where there were borderline brawls breaking out. <laughs> at the end of these Kansas and Kansas State matchups. It's good in-state college basketball fun as long as you don't have guys picking up stools and trying to chuck them at people's heads. That's what uh, that's what we don't need. Here's the one thing with Kansas, though. It's going to get real. Starting this weekend, you have to host Iowa State. You'll go to Kansas State, like you said, on Tuesday. Then it's host TCU at Baylor at Kentucky hosting Kansas State on the road at Iowa State. Like That's a brutal stretch. Oh, and then you finish up that stretch home against Texas. So you're going to find out really, can they keep this level of play? I, I mean, you I, you can't assume they're going to go undefeated in that stretch, but just a good showing is what you could ask for. Okay. So I got to get my licks in on a big 10 team before we do a full breakdown. Hopefully it doesn't sound too much like a takedown of Ohio state and where they are right now, but what the hell is going on with the Indiana Hoosiers? And are you simply just going to allow this to, you know, they're 10 and six. Okay. Same record as Ohio state, but it's about what expectations are. And it's also about learning how your season cannot be done when you lose a player. And I'm sorry, as long as trace Jackson Davis is around, you can't just tell me that Xavier Johnson missing a couple of games with injury is going to be make or break for their whole season. I know he 
He hasn't played since what now? The uh, Kansas game? That was his last one? That was where he got hurt, yes. And he's done. But. Uh, no. He could no, come back, they, they actually. Said there, they said there was a chance he'd come back. So what are you doing? Like, why? So much was made about the Mike Woodson hire, and uh, I just was not quite all in on it. He's an NBA dude. Of course, he's an Indiana guy. Everyone that's taken this gig now has struggled to give them the results that they want. And it looked like he had a little bit of that early season magic, but then ultimately they barely made the tournament. They were a first four team, were they not? Last year? I they think they were in Dayton. They beat, they beat Wyoming with that Graham E.K. Okay. and Martin Maldonado. Yeah, and then they, 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 they got were, blown out by uh, They got St. blown Mary's. out. Blown out. Embarrassing, right? And they were 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten last year. 9-11. and 11. And now they are right there next to Minnesota at the bottom of the Big Ten standings in the early goings. You can't just tell me you don't have Johnson right now, so that's the, a full-fledged excuse to be tanking. And the Indiana basketball players, they were getting snippy with the barstool count for IU Hoops. <laughs> They all, like three or four of them, clapped back at it. But, oh, like, guy's not believing in us. Just stop responding to a barstool account and figure out how you can beat Penn State. How about that? Pay attention to what you need to pay attention to, IU. You go to such a hyper-focused basketball school that you would think going in there, you know what to expect, which is, you know, when you're doing well, they're going to shower you with praise, but when you're not playing well, they're going to let you know. And it's just got to be one of those Simple. things that you can't you just can't listen to it. You can't let it affect you because now it's going to compile into more losses. And that's just, it's unfortunate for a team that was so good and so highly thought of going into the season. What? Yeah, it, it's just, do, do you see them making any kind of run or it, they are, they are more so than any other program. We can talk about the Buckeyes and we will about getting to a second weekend, but Indiana Forget about second weekend. Like, they have just been in this endless cycle of trying to make the tournament. Forget about winning the Big Ten. I I am actually stunned that the collective media got all on board to these Hoosiers after what they did last year, under 500 in the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis has been around for a while. You just continue to search for reasons to give it to Indiana before they do it. Stop doing that right now. Yeah. I mean, looking at the schedule, the only two games I could see that, you know, I probably pencil them in for a win is probably Minnesota and Ohio State. Everything else is probably a toss up at this point. Um, <laughs> Forget about on the road at Minnesota. <laughs> Going to the barn uh, yeah, right now. Dawson I mean, Garcia plays they're, they're like playing, that. Oh. They're playing great for a team that's at the bottom of the Big Ten. But no, it's the same issues every year, it seems like, for the past couple of years for Indiana. It's defense seemed really lackadaisical against. Uh, on the road at Penn State. They were just completely inexcusable. Some of the runs they did and some of the ways they weren't able to run Andrew Funk off the three-point line. That was just, and Seth Lundy. They just couldn't do it, and it's it's embarrassing how they performed defensively in that game. Uh, the second thing, they can't evolve as a three-point shooting team. They're still shooting below 40% as a team, 378 to be exact. That's just, just about, th- that's, that's been a thing. Horrible. It's not horrible. Well, it's, it's about on par for what they've been doing the past couple of years. The issue is, is that they don't have that real threat to their game. And especially for a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, a great player, but he's not going to provide that. Uh, J- Jackson or Jalen Huchifino has been a very good player, but unfortunately there's just not a lot behind those two guys that have really provided in the scoring co- column game in and game out that you can depend on. They don't defend very well either. Just say it. Yeah. They don't defend very well. That's what's going on with them. And you know what? Who's your fans? I'm sorry, but I'm not. But I'm not. 
well, have plenty of titles. I'll tell you what, if that run that we're looking at where it's really those only two games that you could see is like a guaranteed or maybe a very likely win for Indiana, uh, the talks of Brad Stevens are going to heat up really fast. Oh, we just do that. At, we just do that whenever we can, right? Oh, Billy Donovan this. Brad Stevens that. We do it all the time when we can make the connections. That's all, right. all that fan base wants. We will discuss the Ohio State Buckeyes and where they are 10-6 and six right now. Three straight losses. A couple of road games coming up. This is episode 78 of Mad About Hoops. All right, Evil. Mad About Hoops continues on here. We look I'm in the not mirror ex- now. I'm not excited about this segment. We look in the mirror. This is home <laughs> this is home team talk. This is what you're here for. We also say hello to all of our listeners on 97.1 the fan on Saturday morning. We love that you have found us here. We have been doing this podcast for a few years. Evil and I, we just love college basketball. So we we sure would love to pick you up as a subscriber and we also have to skim this down to fit the airwaves, so there's likely going to be more to the episode when you go to the podcast page, so check that out. You know, uh, interesting basketball thing. We had a new employee here at The Fan, and her name is Paige Pyatkowski, and we have this little network TV screen that cycles through like biography pages, and they sent an email and said, hey, would you please fill all this stuff out, you know, your favorite music, favorite this, this, that, that, and... You know, good employees, like I'm usually not one, but good employees took the time to fill that out. And so you put a photo up and the thing goes around. And when I met her, I didn't catch the last name, you know? So it's just like, oh, you know, hi, nice to meet you. Great, you know, see you around type of thing. And then when the last name shows up there, you're like, Pyatkowski. Like there's only one time I've ever heard of Pyatkowski, and that's from the old Polish rifle, Eric Pyatkowski from the Nebraska Cornhuskers before they were in the Big Ten and, of course, the L.A. Clippers. And sure enough, Looking at her page, she's like, I'm a basketball fan. And it says Phoenix Suns fan and Nebraska fan. I'm like, what? And then in the interesting factoid, it says my dad was in the NBA. I'm like, okay, that kind of gives it away. So, yeah, we have uh, the Polish Rifle's daughter working here at the fan. That's that's pretty cool. That dude made a lot of cash, a 14-year NBA career, averaging about eight points or whatever. And his jersey's retired at Nebraska. Good for him. Born in Steubenville, he was. That's right. Little Ohio guy. Little Ohio action. Uh, no, that's cool. I uh, I can't wait to learn more. I am uh, actively reading into him ever since I found out that information. All right. So here's some information for you. We got problems. We got problems. What's, Doesn't what's take the a deal, man? To that out. What's the deal? I'm, I can't just do the... Minnesota's a good team too, and they've got scholarship athletes. We could do that for every game. You know, there's game, you, there's games that you just got to win this deep into the season when you're at home. There's a certain type of mentality and edge and nastiness you got to bring to the table when you have to stop bleeding. Right? Maryland did it. Maryland needed that win. This was the game where you needed it. Minnesota season, they're six and eight. Right? Those guys are all playing for more right now than just knowing they're making the NCAA tournament. This Ohio State team, this program, has been fit to absolutely make the make the tournament, and there's been a we're getting into almost desperation mode to do more than just that. Fans here had been used to seeing runs in the tournament, and I'm not saying every single year, even though Thad did give that to you for a while, and now you're kind of feeling how life is really like. That's... You know, count your 
blessings while you're living in sweet 16s, but you're just looking to get back to a second weekend or make a run in a conference here. And losses like that don't give you confidence that you can stay up in the top three or four in the Big Ten the rest of the way, buddy. Minnesota lost at home to DePaul by 16 points. They lost on a neutral court to UNLV by nine. They beat Chicago State by three points. Chicago State. Chicago State. I don't even want to look at their past records. One of the worst teams in the history of Division I, One basketball. I saw them play in one of my basketball trips to Cincinnati. It was like the most lopsided rebounding I've ever seen. Since he out-rebounded them like 86 to 20. And that was eight years ago, but I don't imagine much has changed with the Chicago State whatevers. I don't even want to read the rest of the schedule to you because it's there's no point in doing it. Every Almost every game, even the Nebraska game on the road, there's no gimmies left on this. No, it's going to be a dog no, fight. No, it doesn't feel like the there's rest, gimmies. For the rest of the schedule, there's no gimmies. I, Tim, honestly, I, I said this last night, this team is too talented to be a, a bubble team. And while they might not be there yet, that means they're playing close to it. I know Mike DeCourcy has them as a 10 seed. Lunardi has them mm. as an 8 seed. You're playing your way right into that situation. And let me tell you right now, the bubble is entirely soft. A team like Creighton, who is just completely bottom out compared to expectations around 500, they're a team that's kind of safely in or maybe like a last four team in right now. The problem is, and, and just as much as you know, guys like you and me, we know that things can shift quickly in this sport. Like we're, we're going to sound like this now because this is the now. This is what we are living in. And I do believe this is how we should respond when this is happening. Because you are now this close from a three-game losing skid turning into a five-game losing skid. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I, I don't have a prediction in my heart right now. I mean, the game's coming up on Sunday as we're doing our recording. It's Friday. I'm not quite there yet because we have seen before that this Buckeye team can take these ugly stretches midseason and then find their way back. You know, as long as there isn't a critical injury and we don't catch word from within the program that they're losing the team, then I'm not going to, you know, bank on a seven-game losing skid. But it's just, it's concerning because you're sitting on three and January is a really tough month. Now you are pretty much asking them to go and get a bunch of wins when you wouldn't necessarily expect them if you were taking care of your business at home to just go and beat Illinois and beat Indiana and beat Rutgers all on the road in the same month and like a, in a five-game stretch. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And you also didn't do yourself any favors in the non-conference. I mean, your best win in non-conference is a Texas Tech team that hasn't won in the Big 12 yet. Like, that's not very good. And you had plenty of opportunities to pull out wins and the other ones, especially North Carolina is on the front of the mind. Like, you should have pulled that win out. And now that's a loss that's added to your loss column. Uh, let's get this out of the way. This I, I've heard this comment from fans the past several days. And let's just get it out of the way, address it. The situation that people are calling for a change. It's not Number one, it's not going to happen because, one, this is a results business in the postseason. You, you can't make any wild decisions like that of sending – hiring or firing anybody until a postseason situation let's happens. Let's wait. Let's come ask, on. Yeah. Let's Hubert wait until we get down there. Yeah. Ask, yeah. ask yeah, North Carolina on. and Hubert Davis last year. I mean, that was a team that went in as, as a nine seed and made a run all the way to the final four. I'm sure those fans thought of their season in two different ways in two different sections of the year. Number two, uh, with the extension that was signed in the off season, you're going to probably have to owe 17 plus million dollars this off season. If you made a move like that. And quite honestly, I don't see this, uh, this, 
this athletic department doing something like that, really no matter what, unless if it just completely bottoms out the rest of the year. So this is just a topic that doesn't need to be discussed anymore until the offseason, depending on what happens the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And, you know, again, you point to the recruiting and, you know, I, I love the class that's coming in next year, too. But, but that's you can totally it, it, Well, hey, it's the, you it can't, the best class ever, listen, and they're still struggling. You can't be afraid. If, if the administration is thinking about things and they're thinking about, you know, what this program is and results and where they want to be, you cannot let just a recruiting class, you know, be a brick wall in what you really need to do. The extension, I think a lot of us looked at it and said, I don't know, like, I, I could certainly be talked into – I was never – you know, coming into this season, a fire Chris Holtman guy. When you looked at some of the things that had gone on with teams in the past here, whether it's injuries, but when you are talking about six years in and if this is going to continue down a similar path where you're looking at a, you know, six, seven, uh, eight, nine, ten seed, depending on how the rest of this season is going to go, you do, you should ask some questions because you know, 100%. you're in the middle of the season, right? And it all counts. That's my point. Like the Purdue game counts. Maryland counts. Minnesota at home counts. You could just sit here and say, oh, we can make up for it because we still got a lot of games left to play. But everything that you do gets put into the system, right? That's why we update Ken Palm every day. That's why the net rankings change every day. Your resume is constantly being put together and these types of losses will screw you yep. down the road. I mean, it's and then you can't make it to the second weekend because you're an 8-9 and you're going to play Kansas in the second <laughs> round. You're not going to be a three seed and play, you know, Creighton, who's not, you know, too good right now, but they're probably better than their number says as well. Similar things. It's just... That's the week we're in, man. It was a quadrant, we are this week. It was a quadrant four loss, which typically drops you about two seed lines, depending on where you are. And I don't know what Nebraska's uh, net ranking at the time was last year when they came in and beat Ohio State, but I, I don't think it can be any worse than what Minnesota was at 241 uh, as of that game when uh, when Minnesota beat Ohio State. It's it's frustrating. I understand that, and you can really just hope for the best and hope they make adjustments, but at game 16 compared to game one in terms of the defense I'm talking specifically I just haven't seen it and it's frustrating and the fact that I'm still watching in game 16 a team that can't handle a down screen off the ball I I can't even count the amount of times Dawson Knox came off a screen to the top of the oh, key great Buffalo the top Bill of three. Dawson Knox huh? or, I'm sorry I kept on making that mistake all <laughs> day Who, no, everybody Dawson did. Garcia this, this dude was just Dawson Knox all game long yeah both great athletes both Dawson very good Garcia players. really just Dawson Garcia murdered him oh. just murdered him and you know what and I, I get the complaints about the call it was incorrect the Big Ten's already announced that the call on the block shot was incorrect. But at the same time, you're not at that point of Justice Sewing keeps his feet and doesn't give up a wide open lane to the hoop. You're playing some defense, forcing maybe a tough shot, and then you're probably going to overtime. So I Chris I understand Holtman that you want to be upset about it, but Chris at the same Holtman. time, you got that break against Rutgers. I'm not going to be crying about it. Chris Holtman himself in the post game said what? It would be a little bit of a disservice if that went our way because we really didn't deserve to win. I mean, that's let me let me see if this is the one. Let me see if this is the one right here. Well, we weren't really ever in this game uh, in terms of feeling like we had 
kind of imposed our will in some ways if we'd have won it it would have been a bit of a disservice because uh, I'm not sure that we deserved it so they did a great job clawing back our guys did and did a good job executing late but you know the reality is I'm not sure that we we earned this one if we would have won it and let me play this one from Sean McNeil too where this got a lot of people talking about you know how he just didn't feel the team was there this is the thing you need to be careful for going forward for the Buckeyes. Our offense wasn't clicking today. Um, I mean, just from the jump, you know, we, we didn't really seem like we wanted to play or be out there. Um, so just just energy, just being in tune with, with uh, the task at hand. That's the problem for me because it's one thing. You just had that against Maryland. You just had it. You certainly can't have it at home. You get Zed back. You should be hyped up a little bit. It's a home game against the team you got to beat. Yeah, you know what? I can honestly say I could see that by the way they warmed up. Um, hour and a half plus before the game. It just kind of seemed like, you know, you want to be loose. I mean, you don't want to be tight about a game, but at the same time, you want to take it seriously and not seem like you're just goofing around. And unfortunately, it it sounds like Sean's kind of confirming that, that they just weren't ready enough for this game. And I don't know how you can do that after the two performances you put back-to-back in terms of the end of the Purdue game and then bits and pieces of that Maryland game that caused that loss. Like It's just... The fact that you didn't come ready to play, is that on the team and the leadership, or is that on coaching? I think it could be a mix of both. They're not going to get to the second weekend if they don't become stronger on defense. It is oh, that almost, simple. They're almost you mentioned the top some of the things. Yeah. I know. I know. You mentioned some of the things, just rotations, just intensity and effort, fighting on the defensive glass a little bit harder all game long. It's just... It's just manning up with the guy that you're guarding. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Playing with an edge, knowing that when the, my guy's got the ball, I cannot let him beat me off the dribble right here. I owe it to my teammates and to my school to just put up a little bit more of a fight right here. Make this guy plow into me or foul me where I'm going to have the good, solid defensive position no matter what move this guy throws at me. It's just so many things they've got to clean up on defense for us to even talk about how far they can go in March. And that's where it is right now. So we will keep watching, obviously, every single game. And our hearts beat out of our chest every time they get into a one or two possession game late. They got Rutgers coming up tomorrow. They've got Nebraska middle of next week. Uh, And by tomorrow, I mean they've got Rutgers coming up on Sunday. We will do our Mad About Hoops road trip meter and Evil Bald Collins mid-major flavor. Little shout-outs to the little guys because we care about them too on this podcast. It's episode 78 of Mad About Hoops. Tim, I'll tell you right now, my road trip meter is not going to include heading to uh, Piscataway. No, I, I don't we, think we, I, om- we omit the Buckeyes in this meter but anyway. Even if I did, I don't think I'm going all the way out there. You know, I don't know when people are checking this out because uh, we are airing this clearly on the fan on Saturday mornings. So a game that was last night, and I don't know how this one went. I'm just going to think that Dayton got the job done because the place would be (laughs) rocking. Dayton hosting VCU in a 9 p.m. late night special. I mean, you can get out there. Bill's Donuts is a 24-hour place. So you can get some Marion's Pizza, fill up on Bill's Donuts, some Dayton Flyers basketball. They got the VCU Rams in town. Those are two of the premier programs in the Atlantic 10. And we talked a little bit about the Flyers. Snuck them into the mid-major flavor last week. They haven't lost in quite a long while. And they're off to a 4-0 start 
They're the only undefeated team still in A-10 play. And, of course, VCU is 3-1. and one. They're right there behind them in the standings. Yeah, I like that. I, I wish I could have gone. I can say as of Saturday morning, I did not go to this game, but I know it's going to be a really good one. But in terms of the weekend, it's uh, in local games, it's not a very good traveling weekend. I mean, you kind of have to go out of your way if you want to go to certain games. Like, I would do whatever I could if I could have gone down to Boca Raton. Uh, for the Saturday game between Florida Atlantic and North Texas, because that's going to be a Boca huge. Raton. That's a how huge you get there. That's a, I would fly there, but no, it's a <laughs> it's a huge game for the Conference USA. I I think it would be a great matchup to go check because it's gonna it's gonna really dictate uh, which direction teams go in, in that in that conference. And Florida Atlantic, it sounds like it's they sold out the game, so I'd have to get some tickets off the street. Here's uh, another thing. So I'd put that Dayton VCU. I'd give that about a, a seven and a half out of ten. That's that's good stuff. Like I, I really do. Yeah, have, for this weekend, it's pretty uh, yeah. Good. I, I got massive respect. I think the Friday night, a little late night basketball is cool too. I know some people think it butts in on high school action and all that, but whatever. That, I think it's cool. The thing that you could do on Sunday when you're getting ready for some Cincinnati Bengal playoff action. That's eight fifteen Sunday night football in the wild card round against the the Ravens. Go back down to the Queen City, and we've talked about them already. Do look out for Sean Miller and the Xavier Musketeers. Also, if they could pick up their defense a little bit more, they will be really scary with what Sule Boom just did in their last game. Dude, they're on a 10-game winning streak, and it's number 12 Xavier versus number 25 Marquette. Nooner, Sunday, Cintas Center. Place is always rocking. And, I mean, I'm thinking that every single building is going to be phenomenal for the rest of the way, no matter uh, no matter if Xavier takes a certain loss at some point here. Tickets as low as 40 bucks. So, again, a little bit higher on the price point. You could get into that, uh, that Dayton game that we were talking about on Friday night a little bit cheaper. But, man, I, I put that up at an eight, eight and a half. Yeah, I, I don't think any of my other ones could really match that. I mean, Saturday, I would love to go down to Knoxville. Uh, see Tennessee just beat the doors off of Kentucky because that has just been a fun train to watch. It's Good one. Fun train to watch that's falling Good off one. the tracks is Kentucky. Um, T- Tennessee would be a cool spot to see. One of the biggest arenas in college basketball. I believe North Carolina is playing at Louisville, so you could do that game. I, I'm trying to see if the times are staggered on that with the other team in the area playing because uh, Freedom Hall over there for Bellarmine, they are hosting Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, um, Dunk City. Yeah, Dunk that's City. A that's, that's a good one in the A-Sun. But uh, Bellarmine hasn't lived up to the expectation, so it just makes the loss in the uh, exhibition series for Louisville look even worse. But, um, you know, you got to get a little dirty with this weekend because there's not a great, great lineup. All right, buddy. Uh, last things last. Mid-major flavor. Who are you looking at and why? I love Bell. You mentioned Bellarmine. I do love them, but who else are you looking at? Yeah, I think I'll go with the team that gets considered maybe a major at times, but really at the heart of it, they are a mid-major, is uh, St. Mary's. They've got a really good team. Uh, Whew, really, really, really strong WCC so far this year, and they've given Gonzaga fits. I mean, between San Francisco and BYU, they've taken Gonzaga to the limits. But I think for the entire season, St. Mary's is going to do it with the guy leading the way, the freshman, Aiden Mahaney. He's playing, I believe he plays point guard for them, but he's been a really good guy, averaging almost 15 points per game for them. He's a local kid out of the Bay Area, and this is a team that's got a mix of older guys uh, between Alex Dukas and Mitchell Saxon, who are really, really strong, just typical St. Mary's College type of teams, man, where they they play really disciplined, and they can put up some points, too. 
You know, they're an interesting team. Like they, in their losses too, they're all really tight losses. They played well. Like Pretty New, solid losses. New I don't Mexico think I was love, unbeaten, right? I don't love the Washington loss, but I mean, losing to New Mexico, Houston, yeah, I, I don't love the Colorado State loss either, but two of the four are pretty respectable. I mean, they got San Diego State, like they, like you mentioned. They're off to a nice start in West Coast Conference play. And look, man, St. Mary's, the Gales, they do a hell of a job recruiting internationally, and they have been the one true adversary to Gonzaga. Like, they, that's an example of Gonzaga elevating their play, and then they bring along some of these other teams in the conference, too, because – it's sink or swim. Like you just don't want to get the the brakes beaten off you every time you see the Zags. So some of these guys, like you see St. Mary's, Santa Clara in some years, even San Francisco and you know Pacific BYU, of course, jumps in that league. So it it's gotten better. And West Coast Conference basketball has become a little bit more fun to follow. A lot more fun, but at the same time, they're gonna have to be the lone number two team in that conference because BYU leaves after the year for the Big Twelve. So it's it's really time to show that they can compare with Gonzaga year in and year out. That is a good point. I lost thought of that, how BYU's out of there, but the Big 12 is going to be interesting. And we'll have some road trip meters where Kansas will go to Cincinnati in the future. Now that I can't wait for. But imbalanced schedule, that might mean they don't go to West Virginia every single season. And I do, I do want to make sure that I, take I scratch the train. that one. It's a closer trip. I'll take the trade. Take the train? <laughs> no, right. no, I'll take the trade. Oh, you're taking the train. Because I I think it's a closer trip. I'm saying the train. Man, we, we, can we hop on an Amtrak from Columbus I down wish, here to Cincinnati? Is I that wish a thing? We could. I wish we could. Is, is that a thing? I, I wish we were set up like that in this country. But hey, uh, good stuff. We'll see uh, where we go from here with this Ohio State basketball team, but we are always here every single week talking about college basketball. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're getting your audio. If you're checking us out as we're doubled up here on the fam, please do go and, and, and listen and subscribe and give us a nice little rating and a customer review if you're doing it on Apple. We appreciate it. Evil, enjoy the hoops this weekend. We'll see you next time, buddy. Can't wait, Tim. All right, everybody, thanks for checking us out. This has been Mad About Hoops. Enjoy your days.